I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hey, it's Oops the Podcast. Everybody, come on in. Gather round. It's time for your favorite twice-weekly podcast. It's Francis, your host, and, and also, of course. Julio Gallarotti. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Yeah, that's it. That's the nice way to get into it. Oh, yeah. What uh, what a week, man. What a lot of a lot of stuff going on here. Um, I want to talk to you first about the Hawaii... No, not Hawaii. What am I saying? The volcano wow. in New Zealand. Yeah. Now, this may be yesterday's news for you if you follow the news, but we didn't talk about it yet. We have not. Here's the issue. Have you followed this story? A little bit, yeah. So here's the problem. There were a bunch of tourists that were continuing to go visit this island in New Zealand that had an active volcano where geologists were saying it was clearly gearing up for another eruption. How acutely were they saying that this was going to happen? Like so any acute. day now? So acute. Like four degrees acute. What do you mean by that? Triangles with an angle of four degrees. That'd be a very acute triangle. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That was good, Francis. Yeah. I hope everybody hates what you just did. There. I bet they do. <laughs> okay. So all these people, I mean, they, I think it was well known. First of all, the, the, the volcano on the island was very active. So, okay. It erupts so, all the time. One second. So I, the reason why I asked that question is because... Plenty of active volcanoes out there, plenty of it could erupt any time, and that never deters anybody because nothing ever happens. So that's why I'm asking how the science, like, were the scientists literally like, you should not be going there right now? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I wish we could get a hold of some scientists in New Zealand, but I don't know the answer to that. I do know that they had said it's, it's going to blow. Okay. Now, my guess is that the problem with the volcano on that island is that a lot of its eruptions aren't that big of a deal. Right. You know, I bet maybe it bubbles a little bit. It's kind of like a little, you know, little pre-cum. Right. And Not, also, when's the last time you heard of people dying from a volcano? Pompeii. It's been a minute. Pompeii. Right? Which, speaking of which, the last time it erupted, my grandmother fled with my uncle. No way. Mm -hmm. They escaped the eruption of Vesuvius. That volcano 1940 something is still active. Yeah. And so many people live in the blast zone. Yeah. That if it were to erupt, it would be big, big trouble. People have to evacuate. But it's also in one of the most beautiful parts of Italy. Isn't beautiful. That right? Yes. And it but it and it moves slowly too. It's a t it's a type of thing that it appears that people have figured out how to avoid getting gobbled up by it. Say that now, years. famous last words. Right. Do you remember, do you know who the, the sole eyewitness survivor of the original eruption of Mount Vesuvius was? Uh, Galileo. Not a bad guess. <laughs> His name was Pliny the Younger. Oh, was he P-L-I-N-Y the Younger. And nowadays, they've rebranded uh, any eruption like the one that happened at Vesuvius as a Plinian eruption. Ah, so he's the one who described the whole thing. It, I always wondered, because in the museum, they have the younger and the elder. Is that, that's not an art exclusive term? 
That was just like a lineage thing. You know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't even put together Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger, but it would make sense that one is a little bit older than the other sure, one. I mean, it sure would. Yeah. So what was so cool about that eruption was that it spewed volcanic ash and smoke and stuff multiple kilometers high, and then it all rained down on the village people, not the band, and <laughs> preserved them as they died oh, right. under the rubble for thousands of years, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like a very, a perfectly, you know, restored, ugh, what am I saying? Preserved. Preserved and restored archaeological Prestored, site. Restored, dude. You just Prestored. combined. Yeah, I did. I like that. Yeah. But back to New Zealand. See, dude, I, I think that this is where this is a confusing situation, sort of, because I've been hearing that about every volcano. Oh, Mount St. Helens, any day, like whatever, all of them. And I recently went to an active volcano. And Did I, you? I hiked up it, yeah, in Africa. Whoa, which one? Uh, what the fuck's it called? It's called, uh, it was in, it's in the Virunga National Park. Where's the, what's, which, what country is that? Uh, it's in Uganda, Rwanda, and uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Interesting. Um, yep. And the, basically this mountain, it's, it's called Bisoke. Bisoke. I like that. Um, I like African names. There, it's, it was a 12,000 foot hike. It was terrible. Damn, I was hung over and I had slept an hour and I wanted to puke the entire time. Why is it that everybody I've ever met who has hiked a volcano did it hung over? I'm not kidding. It's you. the stupidest thing I've ever done. I've hiked around you and I was like, I could do this. There's no path. Dude, I fell 50 times. There was, men, there was a man holding my hand by the end. It was like really sad. Sight. That at the volcano? Yeah. On the way up it. Shit. Wow. Anyway, but you made it. active volcano. But just because it's an active volcano doesn't necessarily deter me from going. Right. But if they're like, it's going to fucking blow, we shouldn't go there, and you go through the red tape anyway, and then you're a fucking moron. Mm. But I wonder how innocent these kids are, because you see these pictures of them, you feel bad for them. They're excited to be on their vacation, and they get gobbled up by fucking lava or whatever. Yeah, yeah burned alive by liquid hot magma. What do you think about this? Obviously, you have a strong opinion. I, I, just, think, I just think sites of natural disasters that are, are very prone to natural disasters. If you go to them, you are, you're, you're flirting with the devil. This is very Italian of you. Just, you is know. it? Yeah. Italians don't move anywhere that is natural disaster prone. Like literally my whole life, I was afraid of moving to LA because my family's like earthquakes. You can't go there. Earthquakes. Dude, absolutely. Chris agrees with me. Absolutely. What do you got? Chris? Chris chime in here, buddy. Aren't they due for like a huge earthquake soon? See? Yes. See? Like yeah, but, huge. But, but but that's the thing. <laughs> Tectonic plates don't shift on a schedule, right? Yeah. But volcanoes don't explode on a schedule either. They're more predictable, I think. Really? I think so. Yeah. Well, they just Curly swell. Not. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what it is. You know, it's probably the, the I, I, whatever. But the point is uh, that California, you, you guys are right. I, if I moved to California, I would do it with the knowledge that I was putting myself in ground zero for earthquakes. Interesting. And that, yeah, you well, know, if one happened, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I'd be like, yeah, you know, that's, right. that was what was supposed to happen. Well, a lot of my family are cautious people. They don't drive at night. They're just like, you know, they're the classic Italians who moved out of New York. They mm. needed quiet and their little garden. They wear slippers with socks on. Oh, and you know, they, get around. and they're afraid, you know, you say, uh, Indiana, they say tornadoes. Yeah. They're like what? They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. So they're afraid and their world gets rocked by the idea of a natural disaster. So to hear you say 
what you're saying. It just seems like a very Italian. Wow. Maybe you have some Italian in you. Do you, do you, uh, you know, everyone, it'll, Italians, you guys are so, more than any other group of people, uh, <laughs> you guys talk about what it's like to be Italian. You know, I'm English. I don't talk about <laughs> being English. <laughs> you know, you guys, you guys ascribe everything we're annoying, dude. to being Italian. You're we're like, annoying. well, it's because we're Italian, you know. We are well, annoying. Why? Why does this shit always come? Is it because of all the fucking movies about the mob and so that's the, the thing. That infatuation with Italian lore in America? What kind of Italian are you? How far removed are you? You know what I mean? Like, my parents are pretty Italian. I mean, they're both from the country of Italy. It's not like my grandparents and whatever. Like, you know, so I, I think how far separated you are from Italy shapes your experience a bit. Fair. However, no matter what that means, there's still some strong characteristics that you associate with your family. Yep. Some of the things that I've said are some of the things that I feel are characteristic of Italians. But they also always compare the Jews and the Italians and how we moved here. And the Italians, the second they made enough money to leave, they, they left. Where the Jews instead were like, oh, we're going to like buy a bunch of buildings and stay for another generation. And now they're all rich, and now we all live in Staten Island. So <laughs> interesting. That's, that's what they say. So the Italians <laughs> live in Staten Island. We have a low threshold for risk, and we have short tempers. I just don't think we're as well suited for life in the modern world as other groups of people. Interesting. We're very uh, delicate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Italy has a, a, an interesting history. I think if you move past the idea of the Italian Riviera and pastas and the romance and the <laughs> guys wearing very tight pants with their slick back hair and their square sunglasses and <laughs> their Bluetooth earpieces. The land of little alpha males, man. That's what I always picture. Uh, you, you look at their involvement in both world wars and... Uh, well, obviously, in World War One, they were with the Germans. World War Two, well. Wait, do I have that wrong? I think so. I, I thought they I were with the Germans in World War One. World War Two, and then in World War Two, I thought they were on the right side no. of history. World War Two, they were they were allies until the last minute. Oh, and you're then right. Until they, but actually, the Germans were heavily involved, trying to help them out, like mm -hmm. on some of their fronts, and which led them to kind of like lose a lot of their army as well interesting they were a very big liability and they conquered ethiopia remember they, Mussolini. yeah okay mm -hmm. yeah. yeah world yeah. war one but in world war two weren't they with the allied powers no allied forces no they eventually ended up being by the end of the war interesting but by that time like germany's demise was imminent got it guys if you're thinking about starting a podcast fill in the blanks here if i were in a concert right now, and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium, and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor, and then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty, and also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Okay, I was thinking about this. I completely forgot about this, but I feel like this is a great, a great story. I had a girlfriend five, six, seven years ago, whatever. Mm, must be nice. Uh, it, was, it was great. Um, one day, 
her family had this fancy vacation house in this island called Mystique. And it was Connecticut. No, no, it's like it's part of the Grenadine Islands. Yeah, not even close. And it's private. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> close, dude. Fifteen hundred miles away. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oops. but dude, so this island was sick. It was like there's no cars on it. Like you have to drive go- golf carts. Mm. And it was like fancy, whatever. Sure, really sure. sick, whatever. So one one week she's there with her family, and out of nowhere, we were happily dating. She's like, "Hey, I don't want to be with you anymore. Um, sorry." While and, you were there. While she was there. Oh, oh. I was just sitting at home. Okay. Living my normal life. Um, and then she's like, yeah, and we shouldn't talk. And didn't, we didn't talk through it. There was no, like, there was no process. She just kind of, like, severed ties. It and over. that was it. Yeah. Over. Really sad about it. And I told one of my older friends. This guy's much. He was, must have been in his 50s. And who has 50-year-old friends? I knew you were going to say that. And you know the answer is Francis, well-rounded people. <laughs> Italians, <laughs> yeah. Italians have well have fifty year old friends. That's <laughs> yeah, a fucking grandparent, dude. We all have that. Get out of here. Hilarious. Okay, but seriously, this guy is a non relative person in his fifties who's friends of mine. I told him the story, and he was like, "That's so upsetting." This is like three, four months later. Here's the story. He's like, "That's so upsetting that she did that." Like, I'm hearing all these like stories of girls treating guys terribly. He's like, "He's like, let's get her back for you." And I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" He's like. Picture this. I had just told him a story about how I met this really hot model at a comedy show, but that was the extent of it. She gave me her number. I texted her. She never responded. Um, and he's like, let's create the story that you're now dating that model. Mm. I'm going to tell. Okay. So I'm, I'm friends with this guy's kids. That's an important element, but I'm like, we have our own separate friendship, but he goes, I'm going to tell my daughter and then she's going to tell somebody. And then she's going to tell my son and he's going to tell people. And before long, it's going to get back to her that you're dating this super hot model. Wow. And watch how quickly she texts you. And I was like, okay, let's try. So we fabricated this whole story about yeah. how I'm dating this super, her name's Cody Cabral. All right. You guys can look her up. C O D I E Cabral C A B R A L. Mm. She might be married now. I don't know. But so this goes around and it gets back to her. She ends up texting me. We end up dating for three and a half more years. Then listen to this. What, what, three and a half more years? Yes. A year, a year ago, I ran into the model at a commercial audition. <laughs> and I told her the story. I was like, I made up that I was dating you so that I could get my girlfriend back. And it was a nice little moment. And how did she take it? She thought it was hilarious. She's like, that's great. Good. She didn't mind that you had just used her as bait? I used her as bait. Yeah. This is her. She's pretty, right? Yeah. I mean, I had a feeling. I met her at New York Comedy Club. Um, I'm looking at Cody Cabral. Actually, we were gonna hang out. She went to South Africa or something, and like it was probably she probably didn't want to hang out with me anyway. But crazy story. So we concocted this whole plan to get me my girlfriend back, and it worked. That's incredible. And actually, she doesn't even know that. I hope she hear, listens and hears that. Jesus Christ! So you never told you never told the girlfriend. Even though you guys dated for three and a half years. Four years after we had initially. You never out. told her, hey, I have this crazy secret that is very pertinent to you. So I, we never, the reason why she reached out was never directly addressed, but it was definitely because of that. And um, I never told anybody, actually. I've never told anybody this, I don't think, except for like you guys and the, the model girl. Because I kind of forgot about it. Right. But. Man. You every, every. So manipulative. Every week, <laughs> every week, 
you drop something on us that is, <laughs> speaks to some some kind of screw being loose, <laughs> you know, because you basically, in some weird way, catfished yourself. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly how it, it works, what I'm trying to say, but you, you secondhand catfished your girlfriend. Now, how long did that relationship last in its entirety? Like, I guess four and a half years, man. That's like, gotta be the longest relationship you've ever been in. It was on, it was on and off. Like, oh. like a year, we dated a year and then nine months off. And then we dated a year and a half. And then it was like that kind of situation. Interesting. Are you a big on and off guy? I don't like want to be, but I have been histor historically. My current relationship is the longest straight block of relationship I've ever been yeah. in my life. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you fall victim to something that happens to me very often, which is that you date someone and then you break up with them and then you go out in the world and you think, oh no, nothing is what I thought it would be. Oh, how I pine for the absolutely dis discarded flotsam. Of yesteryear, of course. <laughs> and so you go and you 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 lay down the most gallant bouquet of roses, and you perform all these acts of service, and then you get back together, and then you date for a bit, and then you're like, "Oh, I was right the first time." Hundred percent. You always end up. You end up at that. It's relapsing. realization every time. Yeah. It's like it's literally like addiction, dude. I wonder if there is a person out there who has ever broken up with someone, fought to get them back, and been right, where they said, oh, I was so wrong to end the relationship. This is the person for me. 100%, uh, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together and be very happy. There, there, there is an I know some people. There is an example from, from, from Hollywood where that was the case. Who? And have you seen the movie The Big Sick? Yes. What a great movie. It's a great movie. Great movie. Um, the whole premise of that movie is, is that what's the actor's name? The great Kumail. Kumail Nanjiani. So Kumail meets this wonderful woman. Uh, they date, they fall in love, but then his family is very uh, traditional Pakistani and they arrange marriages and they don't like her. And he breaks up with the woman and then she gets very sick. And through her, uh, hospitalization, he, he falls in love with her again. And, and, and then they end up getting married and it's, it's, it's true. It's a true story. Right. Uh, and that is really the one example I can think of where, you know, he, he clearly was wrong to have ended the relationship. The NDE contributed to that, I feel. What is that? Near-death experience. Yes, yes. H harrowing. Boy, that's tough. Let's, let's open that can of worms. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you're in a relationship with somebody. Let's say that you both say that you love each other. And you've been dating, I don't know six months, a year, the person you're dating gets hit by a car. You're not there. They end up in the hospital. Uh, maybe they're in a coma. Maybe they're not in a coma. I don't know. Are you allowed to break up with that person? Uh, I like, yeah, but but how long is the coma? Are they going to get out of it? Let's like, let's 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 shift it from coma to, uh, you know, certainly terminal illness, bed bedridden, right, with dim prospects mm -hmm. at a turnaround. Short of a medical miracle, this person will not leave the bed 
and is probably going to die within a year and a half. Why don't you answer this first? You know, I think... I think it's very hard uh, if you're the per the per the victim of the illness or the or the accident, not to release the person you're dating in a way to say, look, this is not what you signed up for. This relationship is not what we built this on. I have, I would love to keep you in my life and and have you come visit me, but by all means, you need yeah. to move on. That and this is what my girlfriend always says to me if we ever talk about this, like you know, hypothetically, she's like, I would break up with you first, if I was like dying or something, or like was unable to, right, date you able bodied bodily. I don't know if I just made that up. That word. No, but you know I, what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I would definitely stay with the person, especially if you listen. If if they were dying, it's easier than if they're not dying. Right. Unfortunately, because at least the dying, there's like an end to the of, yeah. You can't just leave them. There's a finality to it. It's terrible. But if they're just like permanently unable to participate in the relationship for whatever reason, I don't know. It's really. But let's say that, that let's say that the person has six months to live, right? And would you then? That's not that long, right? Would you stay with the person until they died? Absolutely. Okay. What if it were a year? Yeah. Really, dude. A year is nothing at this point. A year feels like. The amount of time it takes me to fucking jerk off, dude. Like a year just goes by like that now. Like a year, it's become dec. My life has become decades. It's no longer years. They don't even matter. Now Wait it's my thirties. Then it's gonna be my forties. Then I'm gonna fucking die. Dude, you gotta like, fucking live in the moment a little more. Bro. I do, I do. But I'm just saying the way it feels now. Years are starting to clump together as opposed to you know where I'm a junior, I'm a senior. That's why even like my girlfriend, she's like, oh, she's a grade above me. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're adults now, a grade above you. <laughs> Oh, she's the grade before me, but she started like why, like no more school referencing. Yeah, it's because I'm a yeah. little older than her, so I give her a little bit of slack with it. But I'm like, that's stupid. Just so you know, you are young for your age. You've maintained a youthfulness and a vigor and a a proximity to young people. Probably a lot to do with with our our work uh, that makes it so that you know if you were to foil yourself against America's. 33 year olds right uh you know a lot of them would be on their second kid halfway right, through right, paying right. their mortgage whatever it may be right, um, right i see what you're saying i would say that i am an older soul than you and you're three years older than me it's potentially true yeah potentially true and you know one could also argue that it's just a new york thing could be but i would say now also i would say to that that even my new york friends who are my age seem to be moved on to their next phase of life. Mm. And I I feel like I don't relate as much to them. Right. As, yeah, as that's true. My younger friends. I don't know. This weekend, I'm going to visit two of my dearest friends. I've talked about them on the podcast before. Uh, my closest friend from college and uh, his wife, both of whom set me up with my current girlfriend. And they've had a baby who is now, I think, three or four months old. They've they've bought a house in the beautiful suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh, he's incredibly successful and can work from home like four days a week. And she's now uh, getting back to her job, having just coming out of. Is this the maternity. breast milk? Yeah, okay. I'm gonna see the baby this weekend. I'm actually really. You should excited drink her milk it. this weekend, man. Would you think I'd be get stronger? 
Lizzie, just because we've talked so much about it, I feel like there's so much buildup. You need to drink your I'm friend's milk. I'm into it. I, I might try it this weekend. Yeah. Drink your friend's I milk. I would try it. Dude, I have been, <laughs> I have tried everything to make my biceps bigger. There is no lift. I can, my legs get bigger. My shoulders grow. My chest gets bigger. But my arms will just always forever be like fine, but never like, you're never going to look at me and be like, that guy's bursting out of his shirt, right? breast milk might be the missing ingredient. Well, I mean, listen, I don't know that you're going to be able to get your hands on enough of it to see the gains over time. I, I wonder, if, I taste, wonder if there are like stockpiles of it somewhere. Brown sugar in there. Ooh, little eggnog by the fire there with go, a Christmas pal. cap on. Yeah. Do I have two observations about you before you continue talking about your friends? Hit me. A, and they're both positive things. Number one is that I feel like you are really good at being an attentive friend hmm. you maintain a lot of relationships in and out of comedy which i think is rare it's important important and rare but like you also prioritize them in a way and you make time for it and like i feel i find that to be very impressive thank you my number two i think you got a great nose dude i sit here what? and I, I look at you in profile <laughs> two hours a week and i see that fucking perfect beak dude and i'm like it's my boy wow what a lovely <laughs> thing to say very english nose Yes. See? Well, you've got such a handsome face. It was one of the reasons I wanted you to do this <laughs> podcast with me. Everyone said that they were like, "Wow, what a handsome pair the two of you will be." Ah, oh, oh, shucks. You you have a very you have a very young boyish face. It's nice. Thank you. Now I will tell you a secret <laughs> about my nose. Let's hear it. So growing up, I, I played a lot of soccer, and uh, when I was a kid, I played goalie, and I came out to stop a fast break once, and the kid from Falmouth. His name was Chris Lebrecht, volleyed the soccer ball into my face and <laughs> broke my nose. He also really damaged my eye. I had to have, um, I don't know, it, it was just, I had to like wear an eye patch for like three weeks. Oh my God. And I had to sleep sitting up because it wasn't draining. It was all kinds of, I scratched my cornea, all this shit. Mm. So... Uh, I went to the hospital and uh, my nose was all broken and they kind of reset it. But from that day on, it was never, it was never straight. And, uh, and then I got in that fight that I, I told oh, you yeah. about with Ricky. When, we, when Ricky was on the show, I told that story. And that guy broke my nose again and I never got it fixed. Such that from the age of like 22 on, I, my whole nose was shifted to the left on the inside. So my septum was displaced. And I would close one nostril and not be able to breathe out of my nose. Oh. And I really learned this because when I was doing a lot of cocaine, I could only do it through one nostril. And everybody who does a lot of coke knows that you're supposed to even it out. Because, you know, you, you don't want to put so much wear and tear on one. You get the deviated septum that you already had. Yeah, exactly. But I couldn't get the powder up that one nostril. <laughs> So, uh, eventually I just decided, I, I saw an ear, nose and throat doctor and he was like, look, you're hurting yourself by the fact that your nose is so clogged with bone fragments and all this shit. You're, you're waking up dehydrated cause you're breathing out of your mouth all night. You're, you know, it's, it's not good for you on a health perspective. You should get it fixed. And I said, okay. So I finally gave in to the idea of having a very reconstructive rhinoplasty gotcha. and this was in 2015 at the very end of the year i set it all up 
uh, went to uh, Mount Sinai, had this legendary uh, plastic surgeon do my nose. This guy was like 75 years old. Still got it. Dude, I went in and uh, I had the surgery and uh, I woke up. It, apparently, the surgery took like eight hours and it was only supposed to take two. Oh, shit. But when they went in, they found that the nose was so fucked up and destroyed on the inside that they had a lot more work to do. So they basically excavated my nose. I come out of surgery. I'm so whacked out. And they, I remember the anesthesiologist, I was thinking about this. They were wheeling, wielding me out of the, wheeling me out of the surgery theater. He starts slapping me in the face. He's like, wake up, wake up. And I'm like, what? No, I don't want to be awake now. I'm, this is a nightmare. Like, I, let the drugs work. He's like, but they, they don't want, for some reason, they don't want you to sleep longer than you're supposed oh, yeah. to. They bring you to the recovery room. My mom is there. Um, and they were like, okay, you guys can, are free to go now. And I was like, no, I feel horrible i feel like i'm gonna throw up if i get into a car to go all the way back downtown i'm gonna throw up they're like okay you can hang here for a little bit and so we hung out all this stuff we stayed for like four more hours and the whole time i just felt horrible finally they were like you guys have to go so we get into an uber and i'm i'm just i'm clinging on to life the whole uber ride home it's like 45 minutes along the west side highway we went to my sister's apartment where we were staying. We got out of the Uber. I walked in, went up the elevator, walked straight into the bathroom, grabbed a tin uh, trash can and brought it to my mouth and vomited so fast and so violently that I actually brought the um, trash can to my face too quickly and smashed myself in the nose that I had just had operated on oh for eight God. hours. The reason that I was vomiting was that they had forgotten to pump and vacuum the blood out of my stomach that accumulates throughout the course of the surgery. So you're puking blood. Because you're lying on your fucking back oh and all the blood is draining through your face into your, you're just swallowing it all. And your body has this natural reaction of when you, it can't digest blood. Did you know that? No. Stomach can't digest blood. And the reason is, if you have internal bleeding, your body has a natural sensor that says, hey, there's blood in your stomach. You need to figure this out because mm -hmm. you're in trouble and it causes you to throw it up. Mm. So that was why I was so nauseous. I'd swallowed so much blood and they hadn't taken it out. So I throw up all this blood. I smash the trash can into my nose. All the packing of gauze that was all the way up my nostril comes out of my nose. My face is hemorrhaging blood i saw myself in the mirror just then my sister walks in the door my mom she goes hey how'd it go my mom turns to her and she goes lyndon we are not doing well they called 911, and we had to get the we, we were gonna call an ambulance to take me right back to the hospital oh my God. but in the interim we managed to get the hospital back on the phone they were like look you need to take gauze and you just shove it up his fucking nose right now. So my mom did that, which was pretty fucking painful. Oh my God. And we managed to kind of staunch the bleeding enough that we could go back, you know, the next day and have it properly, properly wrapped and stuff again. Jesus. But the, the days following that surgery are the most uncomfortable that you'll ever be in your life. Oh my God, dude. You can't swallow. There's all this shit up. You're getting your face operated on Ugh. sucks.
It Dude. really sucks. Jesus. Anyway, that's a pretty gruesome story. Uh, forgive me for all the fucking horrific details. Well, dude, the uh, it, I have a pretty fucked up surgery story. Have I, ever, have I told this story before about Benny D? Surgery. All right, so Ben DeMarco, funny comedian, uh, he got shoulder surgery a few years ago. And while he was under, like they realized that they couldn't get him out of being of, from the anesthesia. Like they couldn't wake him up. And he could hear it happening. And he could hear his mom crying. And he heard the doctor be like, hey, Ben. We don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong and we're going to try to fix it. But we don't, we just don't know yet. Oh my God. And he's, he can hear it all and it's just completely, uh, completely paralyzed and can't, but he's fully aware of everything that's happening. Can you imagine? And he was under for like five hours and they finally figured out a way to get him out of it. Oh, that's so bad. That's so scary, right? Could he feel what was the surgery and the pain? I think the surgery was over. Okay. And then his he's missing some chromosome or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which prevented him from reacting properly to the anesthesia. Yeah. Some people are like allergic to it. It's fucked up. People dude. react differently. There's a movie that was made about that. Is it Hayden Christensen? Yes. Is it called Awake? Might be. I forget what it's called. Where they operate on him and he can feel everything. That's crazy. So you're basically just being tortured for however long. Dude. The point of all that story, that's, I mean, that's, that's worse, Ben's, but uh, was to say that my nose has had a little bit of work done on it. And um, not, not really, it wasn't reshaped aesthetically so much as it was just like right. shifted back. But it is a much, I'm much happier with my nose now. <laughs> that's good, man. I you, really You am. earned it. I'll show you some pictures of, of the before photos. Yeah, please. Yeah. It used to be, a, it had a big bump here. Old crooked schnoz yeah. Ellis. Yeah. Back in action. Well, let's wrap it there, guys. It's been Oops the Podcast. We really appreciate you guys checking in with us, as always, every week, bringing you the finest in fuck-ups, mistakes, and fallibility. I'm Francis Ellis. You can check me out at Francis C.C. Ellis, Portland, Maine, on December 21st. Go to FrancisEllis.com. And, Julia, where can we find you? Uh, not Julio on Instagram and all that shit. Um, and I have a show January 10th, Fairfield Comedy Club. I believe it's at 8 o'clock. There's only one show that night, though, so if that's the wrong time. Guys, yeah, check it out. See you out there, and uh, see you soon.